Hello San Pedro podcast, episode 13. You are listening to the Hello San Pedro podcast. I'm Amanda, your host. Join me as I talk to amazing people within our community, business owners, community activists, local leaders, and people like you and me who love San Pedro. This is a place where we'll share big ideas, discuss hot topics, and spread good vibes. Merry Christmas, everyone. Today is the last show before the Christmas holiday. Can you believe we are already approaching the end of the year? I cannot. It's crazy. Um, I feel like I'm coming down with something. My nose has been stuffy, but meanwhile, I've been enjoying hot cocoa and looking forward to Christmas. Um, So I don't plan it this way, but the holiday episodes for some reason seem to be a little heavier in that they deal with real current issues our community is facing. In the Thanksgiving episode, I sat down with Amber Shake Ginsburg to discuss the growing epidemic of homelessness and what we can expect of the shelter that's coming to our community soon. In this episode, my guest and I are going to be discussing the problems facing our public education and why LA Unified School District teachers are prepared to strike as early as mid-January. I really don't plan for these episodes to be so hard-hitting, but I'm hoping that people are open-minded to learn about these big issues even if they're listening over a delicious cup of hot cocoa. So in the episode, um, we actually go a little bit long and I don't want to waste any more time, so I'm just going to get right into it. My guest today is a Dotson Middle School English teacher of 20 years, achieving her 20th year this year. She is a representative of her school as an active union member, as well as an advisor for the student council class, which plans all the activities on campus. She sits on the UTLA Board of Directors, where she represents educators of the Harbor area. Her passion for teaching has shaped her life and has led her to become an activist for education. I'm proud to introduce to you my guest for today's show, Jennifer McAfee. Uh, hey guys, welcome back. Um, on this episode, we're recording with Jennifer McAfee. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for joining me. Hi, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed the show, and I'm excited about um, this episode today. Me too. I'm really excited. I'm really glad you reached out because I think that education is something that we really need to talk about, um, and I really like. I, I'm really interested to to hear what you have to say about it as a teacher. Um, before we get into it, why don't you tell tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Okay, so I live here in San Pedro. I was actually born and raised. <clears throat> I went to Dotson Middle School. And that's where I teach now. And so this is my 20th year teaching at Dotson Middle School. Oh, cool. Um, it feels like a second home a lot of times, especially because I feel like I am like I never leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I've been really fortunate to work with some really great students, some really great parents, um, some fantastic teachers, mm-hmm. and really help this school grow. It's an amazing school. We've done so much in the last few years, um, going from getting a gold ribbon to going through WASC accreditation, which um, only six middle schools in the entire LAUSD have done. Oh, wow. Um, We're waiting to hear our final um, results if we get a three-year or Mm six-year, and we should be hearing that at any time. So it's just a great place to teach. It's a great place to live. I love San Pedro. I love what you're doing because well, we're you. getting to promote so much about our town Yeah, that sometimes even as locals, we don't even realize 
things that are going on or we forget about some yeah. of our hidden gems. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's just great to be able to be here mm-hmm. and talk about what's going on in public education. Mm-hmm. It's really um, a trying time for public education. And one thing that I've really learned in the last several months is that San Pedro is really behind its teachers and its schools. So they're very supportive. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. That's really good to hear. So um, I'm also a, a very active member for UTLA, which is our teachers union. Mm-hmm. I am the chapter chair, so I represent the teachers at my site. But this is also my second year of my first time of being on the board of directors for UTLA. Oh, that's cool. So I represent the Harbor area teachers and educators with three other board of directors. Mm-hmm. Um, we've spent a lot of time, obviously, in the last year trying to have conversations with community members. Uh, we've organized a couple different parent forums where we talked about the charter issue and our campaign, mm-hmm. what's going on with negotiations. We did two of those in Wilmington where their parents are really supportive also. That's good. We're now just starting to kind of reach out and organize some meetings that we're going to start here in San Pedro. Okay. Um, but one of the other really great things that I've seen happen is UTLA created these signs that say we stand with LA teachers or some of them say we stand with LA educators mm-hmm. and um, a group in Wilmington and then a group here in San Pedro went out and reached out to businesses and just talked to them a little bit about what's going on mm-hmm. and asking them to stand in support of teachers. I have like so many questions. I can't wait to get, <laughs> I can't wait to get into all of it. Yeah. So you'll see those signs all uh-huh. over. We're starting to see them on buses. Yeah. Um, and so all of the businesses so far were really fantastic in saying, yeah, sure, let us hand, hang up a sign. Yeah. James Brown at San Pedro Brewing Company mm-hmm. um, has two signs. Very cool. He immediately took a picture and, you know, posted it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a bunch of people liked it and That's shared awesome. it. And yeah. so, I mean, just those things are, feel really good when we're here in the community and, and knowing that we're going through this struggle yeah. and that people get it and are behind us. They're supporting you. That's yeah. really awesome. Um, what, what inspired you to become an educator? Um, so I've always wanted to be a teacher really since I was probably in second grade. Oh, wow. And I made like a little list cause I didn't want to forget names of like people <laughs> I had to give shout outs to. Oh, cool. Yeah. Let's do. <clears throat> um, so I actually started it going in private school. Mm-hmm. I was at St. Peter's, which is no longer there. It was on ninth street uh-huh. in the Episcopalian church. Okay. And I had two really memorable teachers there, Mrs. Brown and Mrs. Moore. Mm-hmm. And I just... The idea of being a teacher, something that I always like, like working with other people, mm-hmm. helping other people. Um, those teachers were really inspirational just because they were so encouraging. Mrs. Brown is really the reason why I went to UCLA because one day she told me that, you know, I was smart enough to go to UCLA and that's where I should go. Yeah. And so then from that point in fourth grade, I was like, well, I guess that's where I'm going. Yeah. And that's all I did was to work to get to UCLA. Wow. Yeah. Um, in sixth grade, Mrs. Moore was doing like a summer school program, and so she asked me if I would come and help be like a teacher's assistant. You know, mm-hmm. I was like 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. So I did that with her, and that also just made me further feel like this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to, um, as I continued on through school, you know, I had some really great teachers at Dotson. I remember that. Um, Influences for me to become an English teacher were really Mr. Mr. Bland and Mr. Hood. And then I had Ms. Nevin and she's history, but that sparked an interest because that wasn't always something I was super interested in, yeah. but um, I loved it. And so then when I went to high school, 
I had Mr. Tally for photography, mm-hmm. which has nothing to do with what I teach now. <laughs> um, other than that, I think like how I teach and how I talk with kids and try to be real with them and give them like things to think about that are real life things all yeah. come from how Mr. Tally would talk to us. And he's just like the coolest teacher. He was so cool and so real. And then Mr. Woods was my math teacher and math has never been like my favorite thing, but I could do well in it. And he was just inspiring because again, he just connected with students and made you feel like you were individuals. And so all of those things kind of like kept me thinking that I wanted to be a teacher. As you tell these, you know, stories and you're giving all these shout outs, I'm like thinking of the <laughs> own, my own teachers, you know, from my own life that have inspired me and to have, you know, it's amazing how much an impact um, that one teacher can have on a child, you know, and that's negative or positive. Right. I, I feel very fortunate to have really great positive interactions with my, my teachers growing up. I went to FITM and I remember my high school art um, art teacher was from went to FITM as well. She went for interior design, but ever since she told me that that's where she went, I knew I wanted to go there too. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think I wanted to go there even early on because I was like, oh, I want to be a fashion designer, blah blah blah. Right. You know, my my career, you know, idea has changed a lot, but I still wanted to be at FITM. I wanted to do business and I wanted to do marketing, but I realized. Um, Fidem had created a business program, so mm-hmm. I went there. But it's really a teacher that inspired me to go. Right, and I think sometimes the ideas are already in your head. Mm-hmm. Then it just gets it just gets planted more, and and as you go through those experiences, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you start to kind of shape it and and get your focus to yeah. who that is. And teachers can kind of help you clarify your ideas. You right. know in our heads as kids you can just be like oh, I don't know what the word is I don't know what I'm thinking but this is kind of it and I feel like teachers really help guide students in the directions that they you know should go I think there's so much more to teaching than just your content and sometimes it feels like that is <clears throat> a very small part of it depending on what's going on in your classroom that mm-hmm. day um, you end up being you know sometimes you have to be a counselor to those kids sometimes yeah. You have to give them a Band-Aid. <laughs> you yeah. know? Sometimes they just need someone to let them cry for a minute because they're having a bad day. Yeah. You know, Sometimes you just need to tell them it's okay to like make mistakes. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you need to just give them that extra push to like get focused again. Yeah. And so it's always something different and it's always a challenge. But in the end, it's, it's, good. it's good work. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean you guys really invest into, into children and you're, it's not just like a, it, like you said, it's not just content. You're really putting in your person, you know, your, your being into the classroom. Every, it takes all part of you guys to really get through to a child, to be able to adapt with your, I'm sure different personalities mm-hmm. of students. Right. That's great. And sometimes it is, sometimes personalities are a factor, you mm-hmm. know, I can have a really great relationship with one student and another teacher won't. And it's nothing, it's just the personality factor. And sometimes that's where you find like, hey, what's working for you with this kid mm-hmm. that I can share, that I can use mm-hmm. um, and and doing whatever it takes to really help those students. Mm-hmm. But it, it is an emotional job. And there are a lot of times that I know probably every teacher goes home was still something in the back of their head that happened during the day. Yeah. Something, you know, a student said that they don't know how to help them. Mm-hmm. Or um, seeing a student change in a way that you now are thinking about what's going on with that kid. 
Um, so there's always something and it is emotionally draining sometimes. And so that's when you have to just really rely on your support team around you too. Oh, absolutely. I can imagine. Um, has there, what are, what has been your most rewarding experiences as a teacher? Oh, I think you can do individual. Yeah. I mean, I think on like a general statement, when you run into kids later on and they tell you, you know, what they're doing or they tell you how something changed for them because mm-hmm. of your class. Um, I just recently had a student who came back. I, when I was teaching, I think I had a one, I was teaching seventh grade. It might've been eight though. And no, it was eight. Sorry. He came back at, we had conferences in October and he wanted to let me know that he was graduating and he was planning to go into the service. And this is a kid who really was more at risk during the time that I taught him. And so for him to come back and let me know that he was going, you know, to make it yeah. and had a plan after yeah. and to mention that, you know, the timed writings that they hate doing yeah. <laughs> was actually something that helped him and helped him when he needed to, needed it in mm-hmm. high school. And so he was grateful for that. So, I mean, that's just one individual story, mm-hmm. but then there are so many others, like there's so many relationships. I have families that, um, the Rasiak family, they, I've, I've known them for years. I've known them for probably almost the whole time I've taught. Mm-hmm. And I had two of the girls were in my leadership class and the parents, I swear that family's like one of my favorite families of all time. Oh, you cool. know, I yeah. still see them, talk to them. Mm-hmm. Um, their dad will stop by and visit when we're at the UCLA game. Um, so these are the stories like just not even when they come back and tell you how your class affected them. But those relationships that you build that right. last throughout. Um, recently, we had career day, and one of my former students came back, uh, Vincent Semperio. He works for Officialize now. Mm-hmm. He's doing social media stuff. Cool. And so he came back and spoke, and it was really great to see him like be an adult now and yeah. and have a really cool job. That I'm like, man, I wish I had that job. <laughs> but so, I mean, there's so many stories. I'm sure every teacher has all these kinds of stories and sometimes everything's just going, going, going. You don't even have the time to think about those stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's good to stop and reflect and remember the, the change that we affect. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I always wondered this. Is it really hard to remember all the kids' names, or does it come easy to you? Uh, so at the beginning of the year, that first like week, I'm all I'm doing is trying to remember names. Mm-hmm. I always have a seating chart, and I try to really like when I'm calling on them, call them by name and look at their faces and remember it. And I'm usually pretty good about remembering all those names mm-hmm. within that first week or two. That's great. Um, it's hard though, and then I feel bad because when I get to the end of the year I have to start over with a whole other like 150 kids and so then some kid will come right back and I'm like Ugh, what was your <laughs> and then I have to like go through my uh-huh. memory and pull the name back yeah you know? uh-huh. um, but then when you've been teaching for 20 years and you run into some kid that you taught year two <laughs> and they're now an adult and look totally different and they'll remember my name of course uh, you know mm-hmm. and so I don't feel bad saying I'm sorry, just tell me your name. And most of the time when they tell me their name, as soon as they tell me the name, I'll remember them. Yeah. You know, and I'll remember some detail about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it is hard, though. That is, like, a real challenge, I think, to 
you remember all those names. Mm-hmm. But it's important because so they have important. to have to know that. I yeah. can't just go you or yeah. uh, what's your name or uh-huh. like I hate to I hate when people mispronounce my name. Mm-hmm. So I'm really big on always telling them if I say your name wrong, correct me. Yeah. Don't let me go the whole year calling you the wrong thing. Yeah. I won't be upset. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. I think that's important too. I think being able to pronounce a name that the way that it was intended to be pronounced is, you know, important to that person, to that person whose name you're saying. So I think it's great that you see that, you recognize that. Um, That's that's really cool. I always wanted to know because I feel like sometimes I'm so bad at names and I always wonder if, I always told myself, man, I don't think I could do it (laughs) because, yeah. And you're an English teacher? Yes, I teach English eighth grade in our gifted magnet and then I'm also the leadership advisor. So I do. I run the student council group. Mm-hmm. We meet one period every day. They're in charge of all the activities, mm-hmm. uh, fundraisers, pretty much anything that happens on campus behind the scenes, like the flag getting put up every day, PA announcements uh, getting made. Okay. That's all leadership, you know. Uh huh. So very cool. Yeah. One thing I always wanted to ask an English teacher specifically is what it was like grading papers. It's a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, I mean, if you have 150 students and you're grading essays, uh, I think that a lot of times now, especially um, the way we use our writer's workshop program, we'll have certain targets that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. So I might not be specifically going really picky about all of the spelling or grammar errors unless mm-hmm. it's something that I see repeated, repeated, repeated. Yeah. Um, but I might just be focusing on the elaboration of it so um but even that takes a long time to go through and and read all of those you know there's so much writing involved absolutely and so much reading yeah i think you guys do a lot i think you guys do some of the hardest work there is i really do i think it just depends too everyone probably has uh different things that are are challenges in their content area right yeah i just feel like yeah essays take a really long time yeah I'm sure they take up like your whole I don't know I, do, they, do they take up your weekend <laughs> um you know I try to really that's one of the reasons I get there so early I try to do a lot of work before I even start my day mm-hmm. and then I don't waste any time in class if I have one minute to do something if they're doing the warm-up and I have two minutes to look at something I'm gonna do that two yeah minutes, you know you get it done while you're at work right, right. and so you know I try to do as much as I can mm-hmm. before school and then there are days like I am going to have to take stuff home, mm-hmm. you know, especially it makes it easy. A lot of times they're submitting essays through Google Classroom to me, so I won't have to carry home a stack of papers. I can just go into their document and read it online and make comments on the side um, and have interactions even that way, which is kind of cool. Do you so. mind if we talk about that for a second? No. Because when I was going to school, and I'm sure for you too, mm-hmm. We didn't have the internet. Like, right. I, sorry, we. I don't want to say we didn't have the internet. I had the internet. I could use the internet for all my papers, and that was great. Right. But we didn't submit things online. You know, we didn't actually, and this is like grade school, we didn't right. interact with our teachers through email, you know. Um, I, there was no way to get in touch with the teacher outside of school. So what is that like? What What's the, what's the routine now? I think that um, it makes things convenient, but sometimes it's almost like, there's no break from it, depending on what's going on. Which uh, is totally the internet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but it is nice to be able to just go online if I remembered something and post something to them, to mm-hmm. post the homework online, to post 
readings online for people who are absent. So if I have someone who is going to be absent for the weekend, they let me know. Then I can say, okay, just go to Google Classroom. The two stories we read are there. Um, here's the document that we use. You can print one for yourself. Yeah. Um, so it does make it convenient in a lot of ways. It's just you have to be really careful that you don't lose that personal touch. Right. Like, it's just not all you're sitting in a screen and mm-hmm. we're just back and forth. Right. And um, there are a lot of times that I still want a rough draft that's handwritten so I can kind of see your planning and where things are going first. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of times then the final is what you're going to type into into Google Classroom, into your Google Doc. Okay. Um, so having email access to for the students and for parents is really convenient because I the day is so crazy. So between teaching and union work, you know, I might not get home sometimes until 7, 8, or later Mm -hmm. and so getting home and thinking about having to make phone calls at that time Mm -hmm. probably one I don't want to interrupt someone that late in the evening but honestly like my brain is dead by then oh yeah Yeah. so I always tell parents email is the best way because any I see it and the first chance that I have a free moment I'll just go on and respond to you you know I can send something very quickly and give you give you an update about whatever you're asking Mm -hmm. Um, and same with kids. Like I have students that they know that they may have certain reasons why they are going to be absent for medical reasons. So they can email and let me know, Ms. McAfee, I'm going to be out today or tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Can you let me know what the homework is or what I'm missing so they can keep on top of it? That is so know? great. I'm, I'm glad to hear that students are proactive in their work in that way. Yeah. Um, are, are the parents, are you finding, are the parents really involved or... As far as in general or... Yeah, like interested in how their kid's doing in the classroom or in their homework. I think that at Dalton we have a lot of parents who are very involved in, in what's going on at the school with their students. Mm-hmm. Um, it also depends on the students. So we have a lot of students in the gifted magnet. Their parents are on top of it. You mm-hmm. know, they, they have, They're all applying to these different high schools and have these big goals of things they want to do. So they're really, really involved. Yeah. Um, there are times, though, in some some classes where, like, I have one main school class. It's not a magnet class. And though I don't hear as much from those parents. Right. And, unfortunately, those are some of the students that probably I need to hear from them more. Yeah. Um, a lot of times if I look on our new online program for how we enter our grades and how we can send emails to parents, mm-hmm. I will see that a lot of those parents won't have the email in there. And I don't know if it's because they don't have access mm-hmm. um, or if they just don't know how to do it. Yeah. Um, so those are challenges I think that all teachers face or when you have students that you know need more support mm-hmm. in trying to reach out to parents. And I don't blame parents at all for not being involved or for not, you know, being on campus all the time or having their email because Mm -hmm. parents are working. Their parents are working multiple jobs. They Mm -hmm. have different kids. Mm -hmm. They have transportation issues. Mm -hmm. They might have jobs where they have to drop their student off really early in the morning. And then the kid has to stay after because they're working. It's, it's hard to be an adult. And I can't imagine like having to also, Work all day, mm-hmm. maybe multiple jobs, and take care of kids. The thing when that's I get home, coming know? to mind right now is like um, you heard the homeless, the homelessness episode. 
We yes. talk about a lot of different situations that a lot of different people could be experiencing. Mm-hmm. And, and when you talk about students and what their parents, you know, might not be involved, I, that's all I can think about is like, yeah, they're probably trying to make ends meet. They're probably trying to pay rent, get food on the table. You know, there's a, a lot of people out there who are struggling. So right. I can see why why it makes it difficult in the classroom and it, it takes a toll on the teacher. Right. Mm-hmm. And Dotson is a unique in that we're not a school where everyone just lives right there because we are a magnet school, because we have a school for advanced studies program, because we now have a visual and performing arts magnet. Mm-hmm. We have students who come from all over. Mm-hmm. So we may have students who live in Los Angeles and wow. and take the bus to be in our magnet program. They might you know, travel an hour mm-hmm. every day to get to school. And oh so... I can understand if their parents live there and work there, it would be a challenge for them to get to our campus and meet during a conference time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think because we have our students come from all over the place, that does make a difference too in how accessible mm-hmm. it is for parents to to just stop by whenever they want. It's That's not right. like mm-hmm. if you just live on the next block of your elementary school mm-hmm. or if you live right next door to Dana and you just walk over a few blocks. It's mm-hmm. not the same um, in that regard. Yeah. We grew up locally next to Dodson. My mom went to Dodson, you know, and she's still in the same house <laughs> that, oh, okay. you know, she yeah. used to live in. Um, and, yeah, I do. I see all the buses. I used to – I remember seeing all the buses come mm-hmm. in in the morning, and I always wonder where they're coming from, you know. Right. Um that's that's good to know. Um, well, you know what? I think this might be a good time for a break um, because when we come back from the break, I really want to get into the reason you reached out, which is what's going on in education as we know it right now. Okay. All right. A uh, quick break for our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Hey guys, quick announcement about my sponsor, Sirens Java and Tea. They're moving. The shop will be closing its doors one final time in 2018, this Sunday, December 23rd, and will reopen soon at their brand new location. Listeners are welcome to stop by Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for a special goodbye to their first location. I'll keep you posted on their opening date next year and if they do any pop-up shops in the meantime. Keep listening to the podcast to get the latest updates. All right, now we're back. Um, so, Jennifer, can you tell us what? Tell us a little bit about your passion and why you think we need to focus on education right now. Okay, so I mentioned my work in the union, and because of that, you know, I'm really involved in what's going on with our negotiations that have been happening for uh, like over 19 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're at the point now in public education where we need to really fight for it. Our schools are are suffering and we don't have enough funding and we don't have enough resources for the schools that our students really deserve. Yeah. And so I think that people really need to be concerned about what's happening with public education. When you say suffering, can you be more specific? Yeah. So for instance, uh, there are schools where there are 40 plus students in a classroom. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I was talking to some students at Banning High who are taking an AP class where there are 42 kids in an AP class. There's no reason that they should be in a classroom with 42 kids in an advanced placement class. Yeah. That's a class 
that really should have as much direct individualized instruction. You can't do that with 42 kids in a classroom. Yeah. There are schools where they don't have a full-time nurse. Oh, you know, yeah. you have a nurse that comes one day a week. What happens if a kid gets hurt on those other four days, yeah. you know, and mm -hmm. we have schools that we don't have enough counselors. Um, counselors are stretched thin. They're one counselor for hundreds and hundreds of kids. Mm -hmm. um, in our society today, there's so much going on mm -hmm. in the world and our students really feel that. Mm -hmm. um, there are students who need help. They need um a school psychologist to talk to. They yeah. need a counselor who really knows them and has time to sit down and talk with them every day if they need to. Yeah. We need to have enough counselors where counselors can hold groups to meet with students. Mm -hmm. um, these are all things that are affecting our students on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And then it affects our our job as teachers, you know. Right. And I know that throughout this whole campaign and during our fight the last several months, um, one thing that I keep hearing teachers say, and I agree with, is that, you know, our working conditions are their learning conditions. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. we need to, to know that their learning conditions are are the best that they can be for these students. Yeah. Um, we don't have, we have some of the lowest funding in California, and we're one of the richest states. Yeah. And it's ridiculous that... It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And so some of that's, you know, those are fights that are going to have to happen at a level above the district and yeah. at the state level for more funding. Yeah. That's um, like a politician, yeah, agenda, right. right? But I think also that our public schools are under attack when we have so many private charters, uh, billionaires and privatizers trying to come in and take over what they can in our schools. It's very difficult to have schools where... They're co-located with a charter school, meaning that they may have empty classrooms and a charter applies to use those classrooms. And so mm -hmm. now you have two schools on one campus, right. but a lot of times those charter schools are going to have more money. And so they're going to, ha it's going to create this have and have not situation oh, yeah. for, our, for our neighborhood schools. Um, when our neighborhood schools aren't being taken care of, then we're going to get to a situation where what's going to happen to them if we don't have enough funding? If we mm -hmm. start losing more students, um, will those schools just disappear? Will charters completely take those over? I mean, so, these are these are big concerns, and and they are things like I mentioned to you before um, that can take hours to talk about. Like the charter issue oh, is yeah. a very complicated issue. Right. Um, and a lot of times people don't understand the depth of it. Mm -hmm. And when we start having the conversations, when we've had parent forums to talk about this, it's, it's very like, eye-opening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I know because you're talking about it now and I'm like, I have so many questions, you know. Um, and and I, I'm curious, is, is the reason to start a charter school or a privatized school as a private school, is, is it – profitable for a billionaire to do that or somebody who wanted to do that is it it's very complicated on many levels because um it's not just about money it's also about the land they acquire and like the property they they can acquire through mm -hmm. this process again it i could have a whole other hour to tell you about this mm -hmm. um but what happens is it really um it takes money from public schools in the regard, it's still public money and they consider it a public charter. So if say we lose 100 students from our district to go to one of these charters, that 100, the money. daily attendance money that they would get goes with them to that charter. However, that money that was being used at 
the public school, the actual neighborhood public school, doesn't get replaced. So now that's just a gap of money and it depletes the funds and then creates this, these other issues I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, when they come over here, the problem is it's not always a transparent run type of business. So, when you say when, it, when the money transfers over into the yeah. private sector, it's yeah. not... And it's still considered a public school. Okay. But there aren't the same kind of regulations that mm-hmm. we are held accountable for in, our say, our neighborhood public schools. Mm-hmm. And so then what's happening with, with the money? Who knows who's getting what? Mm-hmm. Um, we had a school, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but a school just recently this fall in L.A. that was a charter school, and the parents showed up for school, and they decided they were going to close the school because they didn't have whatever they were going to need to start. And they just closed the school. They didn't tell the parents. The parents showed up on the first day with their kids, and there's no school there. Oh, so my gosh. So now they're crazy. scrambling. Yeah, I'm, and this is, like, we couldn't do that. We couldn't just suddenly be like, oh, I don't think this school is going to work and shut down Dotson, you know. Yeah, it, no, absolutely That would never not. happen without. Because those kids need to go to school. Yeah, without and, having a meeting, without talking to the community without having to go through whatever steps. And so, I mean, like I said, it is a really complicated issue and it's not something that can be glossed over. Um, But I think it's things for people, I would encourage people to look into this Mm -hmm. and to educate themselves. uh, Charters originally were were started to really create some kind of um, different curriculums and maybe some and more experimental types of things that then could be brought back and shared with our more traditional schools. Right. Um, but it's been changed into this other entity. And yeah. it's it's very concerning, especially in our district where we have a superintendent that is running LAUSD and has no educational background. Mm-hmm. And we're really doing everything we can as teachers to fight for our schools. I mean, I, I talk to a lot of teachers and um, the way that the the district will put it out the information, the way it'll be presented in the press is that the district has offered us basically what we wanted in a raise. Um, they've offered 6%, but with some contingencies still, and including adding extra hours to our work. Mm-hmm. So some people might say, well, you asked for six and a half, they're offering you six, like what's the big deal? The big deal is it's really not about the money. And I think in the past, you know, we can always say, oh, it's not about the money, but if an offer is good, that maybe, you know, it'd be good enough. But this is not the case. Yeah. I mean, people feel very passionately about we need smaller class sizes. We need more nurses. We need more counselors. We need to stop over testing. Right. We need to create environments for our students that they, that's worthy of them. Mm-hmm. We need to give them the schools they deserve. Mm-hmm. We need to fund our schools. We should not be at the lowest funding levels in California. Right. Um, we need to respect teachers and the profession and what they do. And um, one thing that I think has been really positive um, through this fight is how the, the mindset about teachers has started to shift. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times teachers have taken the blame for what's wrong in our schools and I don't think people understand all of the challenges that we that really face to make things, to, to reach our students and to teach them every mm-hmm. day. Yeah. And, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, working with parents and the challenges parents face. Mm-hmm. Like, 
we all are facing challenges that are out of our control really to make the schools um, the best they can the best yeah. they can yeah. when there's a real ch- a real issue happening sometimes right. so I think that the more positive support for teachers and educators has been really important to this fight for us. Do you think that social media has a, a big ha, has played a big part in that change in the way we see teachers? Yeah, mm-hmm. I do because I think that now because of social media, there are a lot of the stories that you wouldn't normally hear are now out there. Yeah, you know, and not even stories from teachers, but even stories from parents writing about why they support their teachers and what they know their teachers are doing for their kids every day. Mm -hmm. And so I do think that that is able to get that, the personal side out Mm -hmm. where normally you would not see that, Mm -hmm. you know, and each personal story can make such a big impact. It just takes like, you know, one person hearing it that has the means to make a difference, you know, to, to really make a difference. Okay. I'm, I'm just curious here. Um, Hypothetically speaking, let's say that public education really does take a turn for the worst and we start to see a lot of our public schools close and more charter schools pop up. What, what, what does that look like? I think it looks scary. And I think that one thing that people need to think about is that the charter schools, there is not the same transparency in how they are running those schools in the same way that our schools um, are being held accountable. Yeah. And so... Charter schools don't have to necessarily take all the students. We take all students. We take at-risk students. We take special ed students. We take the poorest students in our city up to the wealthiest students in our city. We take all students, and we have to provide services for all students. If a charter school doesn't want to take students who need extra services, they won't have to. They'll just send them to whatever public school is left for them And then what is that school going to look like Mm -hmm. when it's just a school with all kids who need these special needs and special Mm -hmm. services, but not even enough funding to provide what is necessary to help them? And then if we did get to a point where a number of schools were closed, then it's not as accessible. I mean, right now, you can live anywhere in this town, and there's a local school that you could get to if you had to, you probably could walk there. It might be a couple miles, but it would still be pretty accessible. Yeah. I mean, who's to say what schools would stay open, what schools would close? Right. Where would your kid go if all the schools in your na- immediate neighborhood are now a charter school mm-hmm. and they don't have a place to go to? Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, be, we do have a lot of challenges in our neighborhood public schools because we do accept all students mm-hmm. and we have to meet the needs of all students mm-hmm. and we don't always have enough funding to do that. Right. And I think a lot of times charter schools try to present to parents, Hey, this is a better school, a newer school. We have all of these resources unless you're a student that we don't want to have to deal with. Right. Right. And so, and so when parents are making the decisions about where their kids are going, they're seeing charter schools as options and they're starting to see the benefits and stuff. But um, the reality is it may be good for your child, but it might be completely withholding its benefits from another child who doesn't meet their quote unquote standards. Or maybe you think it's going to be good for your child until you get there and they tell you it's not. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so 
researching things again is really important and it is important that we really understand the issue and how how it, the implications of what can happen mm -hmm. if if we don't protect our public schools mm -hmm. and so thank you for asking that question because mm -hmm. i think it's not a happy thought to think about yeah but it's also something that we need to realize i mean just in harbor area we have not been affected by charter schools in the same way. We have a couple that are trying to pop up and looking for spots right now. Um, but in some of the other areas, like in South, some of the other areas in LA, they're being overrun by, by these charter, charter schools. schools. Right. And we we haven't really had that fight here yet. Mm -hmm. It's starting. And it's been kind of slowly starting in the last couple of years. But that's why it's so important for well, like I said, when I had those meetings to start educating the public about what's happening before it's too late. And now we are overrun with charter schools, too. Right. And charter schools, when it comes to like the way they are, the way they are paid for, you know, and their funding, do they get a part of that public cut? They yes, do. they do. Okay. Yes. Basically, when it comes to the, the, you said the children that are, right. when they choose to go from a public school to a charter school, they get part of that money. Right, and even so much as part of um, money from the state for, you know, where their property that they might rent or buy also. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes often with discounts. So, again, it's a really deep issue Yeah. Um, with yeah. a lot of different facets to understand. Mm -hmm. But it is important that we understand how, how this really can have a negative effect because, unfortunately, as I've said before, there isn't the same accountability. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that we want to see mm -hmm. um, in the fight we're having now is we, we want to see yeah. more accountability for the schools, these charter schools. Mm -hmm. Accountability, transparency. We want to know that they're being run with the right, um, I want to say, that there's no shady business going on, exactly. right? That's right. really the, the goal yeah. here. And Put it in, in a way everyone can understand. Yeah. yeah, no shady business, which charter schools are much more able to do, right? Yeah, unfortunately, yes. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad I asked that question, too, because I feel like a lot of people say, well, what's so bad about a bunch of charter schools popping up? You know, right. we want to know. Well, because what. they frame it in a way of that it's just more choice. Right. You know, but is it, again, is it really a choice if they're not going to accept your your kid yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. or god forbid anything happened during the school year you know where right. your kid really struggles begins to struggle they they have that ability to deny right, right. kids yeah that's that's too bad and I, I feel like wow what what kind of future is that if we have kids who are just going to school with other kids who are like themselves you know i think one of the best things about really the just communities in general right. is that they are mixed. You know, when you start to see um, communities made up of just one type of, of, of com you know, people or, or race or, or uh, specific ideas, we start to lose that ability to be open-minded, to be accepting, to be tolerant of different people, different views. Right. We start to forget that there are people with, you know, disabilities who don't come from privilege or, you know, I think, and the kids are the future. They're the ones right. who are going <laughs> to, they're the ones who are going to fix us. I feel like, right. you know, all the things bad in the world, they're the ones who are going to be able to look at it from a different, 
from a different perspective, from right. a fresh perspective. And if we're not offering that to our kids from the beginning in their own schools, you know, what does that look like? Right. It's, yeah, it's scary. Right. Yeah. So what are some ways that the community could really help support in this? So I'll talk about a few ways that I think that they've already been supportive. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll go into some ways I think they can continue to do so. Sure. Um, so I already mentioned how we have the signs mm-hmm. and we've been putting them up all over the place. Um, I have seriously like a million signs in my car all the time. <laughs> so if anyone wants a sign, just let me know and you know I'll deliver it to you. <laughs> I don't know if we were recording at that point. So can you tell us a little bit about what the signs say? Oh, okay. So we have the signs that UTLA made that say, I, we stand with LA teachers or we stand with LA educators. Mm-hmm. And so we, a lot of those signs you'll see up around businesses in San Pedro and Wilmington and now actually all over LA. Mm-hmm. You may even see some of the signs we've had paid for advertisement to be on the buses. Yeah. So I just saw one on the dash bus when I was walking down oh, the street. Cool. Yeah. Um, there were billboards around. Um, we even had bumper stickers and buttons. Mm-hmm. So you'll see those things out. So that's one way I think that people have already been supporting. Just it feels good to know that someone's willing to put that sign up and that that business was supporting our, our schools, our public schools and our teachers. Mm-hmm. And like I said, if anyone needs a sign, let me know. I have a million <laughs> signs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also we've spent a lot of time, we've been working with another organization, Lane and um, they've been going to neighborhood councils all over the city. And so I went to a meeting with the Northwest San Pedro Neighborhood Council mm-hmm. and at the Central San Pedro Council. Okay. And we asked them to write letters of support for mm-hmm. what we're fighting for and for the teachers. And where did the letters go? And so they sent the letters to all the school board members and then to the council people and I believe the mayor. Mm. So mm-hmm. um, that was great. The support was basically unanimous. And so that's good. Like all of those letters from all over the city councils um, in L.A. all the way up to Silver Lake to San Pedro. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Harbor City, they're supposed to, they're signing one or have signed one, Wilmington Neighborhood Council. Mm-hmm. So these are all ways that the public can help support. Mm-hmm. Um, we just had a, a gauntlet on Wednesday afternoon on Western from San Pedro to Gardena mm-hmm. and there were teachers standing on the streets holding signs. Uh-huh. And, oh, I think I've seen, I yeah. think I've seen them. And yeah. so cars were driving by and honking and it was really great. I was there. There were hundreds and hundreds of teachers mm-hmm. just, there were probably at least 200, 300 teachers just in San Pedro, right. you know? Mm-hmm. And so it was really a good feeling for um, to stand there and have everyone honk and like pump their fists yeah, and, support. and like cool. know that the public is behind us. Mm-hmm. So these are all really great things that I've seen just in San Pedro really mm-hmm. um, being so supportive of our schools and our teachers. A uh, couple other ways that people could get involved. I think calling the, like, first of all, talking to teachers, you know, yeah, asking them about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, Asking how you can support if we do get to a strike. We mm-hmm. hope that we don't, but yeah. if that happens. So there's um, there's actually kind of like a, a, a what do I call it? Um, that the confrontation is real, that this is a real confrontation, and it's it could get to the point where you guys might strike. Yes. Okay. And, and to be specific, you guys are fighting for more, is it more funding specifically? More funding in the district so that we can have smaller class sizes yeah, smaller class and sizes. more support staff mm-hmm. and 
less testing and, right. you know, fair wages for our teachers, uh, along with many other things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are some of like the big things that mm-hmm. people are really concerned about. So, um, yeah, it is a real thing. We're in fact finding, which is the last phase that we are, that we would need to be in before we can legally call for a strike. Mm-hmm. The first hearing with the panel, um, the panel works with, uh, someone for, the teacher's side, the union side, someone mm-hmm. for LASD, and then a neutral party that's appointed. Mm-hmm. And both sides will present, you know, where they're at, and that will happen uh, Tuesday on the 4th. Mm-hmm. And so we'll kind of know a little bit more how that goes uh, after next week. And then that panel of three people will give recommendations mm-hmm. that should come out in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And those recommendations will basically kind of look at both sides and make a recommendation about where they think someone could give or whatnot. Yeah. Um, at that time, then the district can decide to impose their offer. Um, at that time, we can decide if we want to accept the offer, mm-hmm. if we want, or if we want to call for a strike. Mm-hmm. And so you'll have that to will be the me. legal time. Yeah. Because this episode is going to come out probably. Um, not this next week, but maybe the week after, possibly two weeks after. We will probably, by the time this episode airs, we will, we will know what's, what's going on. What's going on. Okay. So I'll be sure to update you guys, the listeners. Right. And, um, and you so, know. you know, if that does happen, then if, if we get to that process, the end of that process and we don't reach an agreement and we do call for a strike, that would probably happen mid January. Wow. And so when we if we do get to that point again i'm saying if because no one wants that no yeah um but sometimes things are necessary to push for things that are important for us to fight for absolutely absolutely and, i mean i'll say it over and over again that we need to fight for our public schools mm-hmm. and if the district can't see that it will take all of the teachers and our parents and our community to make them see that. What what are some of the holdups? Like what why is it such a challenge to to make it happen? Cuz I um, feel like everyone should agree. <laughs> no. I mean the but, dis- the district will say that they don't have the money to meet all of our demands. They'll say that um, they're in a financial crisis and that if they do meet all our demands that the district will go bankrupt and it will just not exist. Um but meanwhile, are we finding fundings for other things? Yeah. So okay. when you have when you have consultants that are being hired by the superintendent um, for different PR firms or non-educational consultants that are being paid, you know, nine hundred dollars an hour, without us really knowing what they're consulting about or doing, that's a concern. Who's actually paying for that? We don't. We're not really sure. Is that coming from private? outside money? Is that coming from district money? The district has a reserve of $1.86 billion. Mm-hmm. They're only legally required to have a 1% reserve, um, but they have like a 26% reserve that they are saying that they can't touch. You know, so... Do they give any explanation as to why? They're going to just keep saying, I, I believe that it's because of uh, their concern about being in a financial crisis. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be too political about it. I know, I know. <laughs> you know yeah. But I, <clears throat> I think there are other reasons, and mm-hmm. I think that if people are interested, they could also read both sides, yeah. whether it's you read 
what LAUSD is putting out and you read what UTLA is putting out. Yeah. In the, um, at the end of the episode, I kind of want to, you know, ask you where we can go for more information so right. we can read up on our own and I'll have all the links in the show notes. Okay. Great. Yeah. Um, so kind of just go back about what, what people can do is that if we do get to that strike point and even before, yeah. I think that it's, it would be really great for our parents and community to contact our school board members and, you know, obviously after we talk at the end and, and talk about places where they can go for information to really think about what resonates with them. Mm-hmm. And if they believe this is important to fight for also to contact our school board members, mm-hmm. to contact our superintendent, to tell them why they think it's important that we, that we are, are changing what our, how our schools are right now. Right. Um, I think that <clears throat> we're going to have a huge March UTLA is sponsoring a huge march in downtown LA on December 15th at 10 a.m. We're inviting everyone to join us. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a huge march for public education. Mm -hmm. I think it would be really fantastic to see people, um, see tens of thousands of people there Mm -hmm. and give a real message to the district because that'll be right around the time that we should be getting that report and giving a real message to the district about Mm -hmm. uh, it's not just teachers, educators, it's, it's parents, it's community and they are standing here with us. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that the gauntlet we did on Wednesday night was really awesome for all of the my fellow educators to feel that support and that, like, yeah. it was a good feeling. Yeah. Um, it'll be a greater feeling if we're all out there on the 15th of December. Mm-hmm. And I think that the district really needs to understand mm-hmm. how much support is behind our public schools. Mm-hmm. Um I'm planning to just get on the silver line so I don't have to deal with traffic and everything. Right. So anyone wants to go get on the silver line, 10 a.m. Grand Park. That's cool. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I'm wondering if people could follow you on social media or if you have like a group for something like um, this. They probably could follow me on my Twitter page. Okay. That's where I post a lot of, I don't post a lot of personal stuff, but mm-hmm. I post a lot of the, our messaging awesome. and um, like events and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. So, and then, um, so yeah, so I think, Contacting school board, contacting the superintendent, mm-hmm. being informed, talking to teachers mm-hmm. at your schools, talking to your nurses, talking to your counselors, mm-hmm. talking to the people that are that are in this fight mm-hmm. and asking them how you can help to. And mm-hmm. if we do get to that strike point, um, having our community on the line with us is going to be really important too, to show that support there also. Mm-hmm. And I know that San Pedro already is so supportive. Um, the Harbor area in general, I mean, it's union town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I feel that, um, we will have a lot of support there and I'm just hoping that we're not going to need it, that we're going to, yeah, we're going to have something resolved before we get to that point. I'm curious. Um, well, this is kind of not off topic, but I, I'm sure you've seen her. Um, have you heard of One Funny Mother on, like, social media? No, I haven't. I'm, I'm sure you've seen one of her videos because it's, like, education-related, but she's she's at Target, and she's like, why are you parents complaining about what your teacher needs? You know, she's right. like, I know what you're she's like about. they take our kids <clears throat> all day. She goes, if you want a coffee maker, I'm going to get you a coffee maker. If you want this, I'm going to get you this, I'm going to get you this, you know? Right. <laughs> um, and, and it always made me think, like, well, yeah, you know, maybe is there a way that we can kind of, sponsor the needs that are in the classroom and does that help i think it helps and it's really nice like um i have a parent who she didn't come to conferences this last um october not because she didn't want to or um, is because she's volunteering to help 
with a bake sale or something that was happening at the front of the school. Uh-huh. But she stopped in just to say hi, and she brought me a bag that had Kleenex and hand wipes and some post-its and things like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think it's always nice to just have some of those supplies. Um, you know, we'll have a certain amount that we'll have, mm-hmm. but things always run out, yeah. you know. Yeah. So it's always a nice gesture to have um, things brought in. Mm-hmm. And I think our parents are pretty good about being supportive in that way too. Yeah, and taking you care know? of the classroom, mm-hmm. making sure you have what you need. Right. Yeah. I think it's going to be important that if we do get to the strike also that we really are working with our parents um, because they'll have a lot of questions. They have a lot of questions now. And we're going to have students who are still going to need their breakfast and their lunch. And so that's some of the things that UTLA is working on also is trying to think about how we're going to have um, maybe like a food bank kind of thing and getting some of our teachers organized Mm -hmm. to you know, maybe we're going to have to make sandwiches or something to hand out to yeah. kids, you know, that maybe their parents aren't going to want them to cross that strike line. Yeah. And so those are also ways that parents are going to be able to help when we're kind of organizing those things too. So if there was a strike, it would take place probably at the schools and, and are there going to be replacement teachers during that time? There, it will happen at the school sites. Each school site will have a strike line. Um, there could be people that would replace. That is not something that we hope yeah. to see. Yeah. I know. I, I'm just just even talking about it is so sad to think about. But, you know, at the end of the day, strikes obviously have shown their importance over the, t- you know, over the course of history. Right. We've seen why they're important. We've, we've created unions for this reason, you know, to have better working conditions for, for people who need it. Right. And I've heard your past shows, so I know that you've talked about, you know, um, your family history of mm-hmm. union mm-hmm. union work and union involvement. <clears throat> so I know that you understand. Yeah. I think a lot of people in this town, town yeah. understand this. I think we understand unions. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so... I remember going out of town with like a, a youth, um, like a youth retreat, and I was, I was young. And um, we went to, it was during the grocery store strike, and we, we went up to Big Bear, and I remember us stopping for food, and everyone crossing the picket line, and I wouldn't do it. I right. remember just being like, I can't cross that picket line, I'm sorry, you know? And one of the, one of the, sta- the sh- chaperones had to stay behind with me. Right. <laughs> and I didn't even apologize, I just knew I could cross the right. line. Right. <laughs> yeah. I grew, I grew up with that mentality, you know? Yeah. Um, and now that I'm older, I, I really start to understand the importance of it. You know, when you're a kid, you just, you don't know why these things are in place most of the time. Um, but now as I'm older, I really start to see the importance and I see the value of those demonstrations. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I think that, um, you know, I talked to some teachers who went on strike the last time there was a teacher strike in LAUSD and that was in 1989. I was a student then mm-hmm. and I barely remember anything about it you know Mm -hmm. so long ago Um, but they said it was rough because there are people that cross those lines that um, they never forgot and a lot of like at Dotson a lot of those people the people that cross the lines they did not work there again the next year it just the feelings were not good Mm -hmm. it's a conversation that I've had with my staff about that if we do go on strike when we come back, if we are all on that line united, 
um, the feeling together of solidarity is going to be even stronger when we walk back in. Yeah. If people are not there and do cross that line, that feeling is going to be a lot different. Yeah. And it's going to feel broken. And I said, and it's a personal choice. Mm -hmm. It is definitely a personal choice. Um, and you have whatever reasons for what you're going to do. Um, but I would hope that we're going to be a hundred percent on that line. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that our, our subs will not be crossing those lines. Mm -hmm. And I know there are several subs at our school, um, that I've talked to who are not going to cross that line. They know that they won't. And it's really financially like detrimental to them in many ways because they don't get paid over the three days, the three weeks of, um, winter break and then if we come back in January like how many days are they going to get and then they're on strike so they're really sacrificing a lot but I was talking to one of our subs last night and he was saying well the thing is is that we all benefit and so I can't in good conscience cross that line and knowing that I'm going to yeah I'm going to get paid I'm probably going to pay more because they're going to offer a lot more to try and entice people to come back Um, but why would I do that? Because you're out there fighting for what I'm going to also gain. Yeah. You know, and I think sometimes people need to really keep that in perspective. The bigger picture. Right. Yeah. Like this is not just for one, you know. Yeah. Just the people on the line aren't getting something or getting something and you're not like for the betterment of the whole education system. It's for the whole classroom. It's for the students and the teachers. Right. 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 Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you enlightening us about that. Um, what are some of the the things that you would like to see happen in the coming weeks from our community? Um, I would really like to see that our community is having conversations with our teachers. Okay. Um, that you're asking questions, and especially if you feel like the information, you're not sure how factual the information is. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at our utla.net website, calling, emailing, you know, however you want to contact, tweeting mm-hmm. to our school board members, to our superintendent, um, you know, asking them to support these <clears throat> these demands that were or these requests we're making. So I think that just getting involved, really being involved in that way as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And then showing up at the March, yeah. December 15th. Okay, showing up at the March. Yeah. Very cool. Um, was there anything that you wanted to mention that we haven't talked about? No, I mean, I feel like you talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like we didn't get <clears throat> super specific, but it, right. like you said, it's a big, complicated yeah. issue. I mean, that could really unravel into a lot of. <laughs> it could be a series. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> I mean, really, it is. I, I don't want to be. I mean, I would be very specific, but I also know that you have an hour episode. (laughs) So, and there are so many different points to cover. Uh, I just, I mean, I guess my one thing I do, I mean, I've already said it, but I want to say it again, is I really want to thank our community so much for the support. Mm -hmm. It means a lot. It Mm -hmm. means a lot to see, hear the honking, see the signs, like having people, um, come up and ask how things are going. Mm -hmm. And I think that our our community that's what makes San Pedro special is we don't always agree yeah (laughs) but when we need help or we need support 
we're there for each other. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's one thing that is really great about this town. Mm -hmm. And I want to thank all of the people that have been supporting our schools and our teachers. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. I'm curious, is there a place that we can kind of like throw our money at where it's going to be used for this kind of purpose? I think that right now... I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Okay, I mean, just wondering because yeah. that's like one of the one of like now with social media, that's one of the ways we're able to support right. so many organizations. I mean, I know with some of the other strikes that happened nationally, mm-hmm. you know, Arizona or West Virginia, mm-hmm. there were funds where people were donating to send pizza to the line, oh. <laughs> you know, like stuff like that. Yeah. <clears throat> or donating for the food banks that they were creating for right. for the mm-hmm. students and things like that. So I think if we do get to that point maybe we'd see something like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Then I'll, I'll kind of be able to keep tabs on it and let our listeners know. Right. Um, well, that's awesome. Uh, thank you so much for, for sharing all of this. I really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Um, I really, uh, again, I've been so excited about your shows and I listen to every episode. Really? Oh, thanks. I find out something <laughs> like new or also even just remember something that I've kind of forgotten about. Mm-hmm. And there's so much about our town. Um, I feel you could just make a million episodes and never run out of anything because there are so many people you could talk to and I so think, many different yeah. things happening here that, that we should highlight. I think you're right. I think you're right about that. I think the more every single time I talk to a new person, they mention like 20 different things and I'm like, wow, I need to make an episode about that. You right. know? <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I keep learning more and discovering my town that I absolutely, right. I absolutely love it. But it's people like you who have a message, who have something to say, um, who are fighting for a solution. Um, it's people like you, I think that makes this podcast relevant, you know, same with like the homeless, you know, um, issue that's going on in town. I want to discover our town. I want to talk about all the fun stuff, but at the end of the day, we also need to make sure that we're on a, on a path to a better community. Right. And I think that our education is not something that we can overlook. No, Mm -hmm. not at all. It's really important and, um, it's a worthy fight and, if teachers don't fight for it, then, you know, we're going to have to start it. And hopefully we'll be ending it, though, with our community and our parents mm-hmm. alongside us. Yeah, that's what I'm pizza. Well, um, we'll go ahead and end our episode here. Thank you so much for joining me. And thank you for enlightening us on this issue. Um, where can people follow you on Twitter? On Twitter, it's uh, at JS underscore M-A-C. Okay. And um, is there any other place that we can follow you? Um, I keep my Facebook kind of private, right. but mm-hmm. if you looked it up, mm-hmm. I do have – it's just under Jennifer McAfee. Mm-hmm. If you look it up, I have a lot of the posts that are related to what's mm-hmm. going on with negotiations and the activities and the events that are around mm-hmm. um, what we're fighting for right now. Mm-hmm. I'll A lot of those I'll keep public so okay. that anyone can see those things. Um, where should Where <clears throat> can we go to learn more about this information? Um, I would say if you went to utla.net, mm-hmm. then you're going to see a lot of what, where our, our viewpoint is and okay. what we're fighting for. And that way, if those are things that you have questions about, I would say reach out to your local educators. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say that that's a good starting point if you want to kind of see where we're coming from. Mm-hmm. That then when you hopefully contact your school board members or your the local – the 
LAUSD superintendent that you'll know the types of things that right. we would want to say. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. So that's good to know. Right. Is there anywhere else that we should kind of... Um, I mean, we've been working with... Um, what is the name of it? We have the We Are Public Schools. I believe it's wearepublicschools.net. Okay. I probably hope I'm not saying it wrong. Um, <laughs> well, that's okay. If but that's are... on all of our posters, all of our signs at the bottom. Mm-hmm. So that's a good way to get info. Okay. We've been working with another group called um, Reclaim Our Schools Los Angeles. Mm. And, I mean, you can just Google Reclaim Our Schools Los Angeles. And yeah. they've and been I'll... doing a lot of work with us. It's a wearepublicschools.com. Dot com. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll have all the links in the show notes so that the listeners can literally just go into the episode okay, and, like, go to the bottom. I'll have all the relevant show links. Great. You know, I make sure that everything that we mention I find first and make it easy for our okay. listeners. great. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much again. I, I wish you a very Merry Christmas, and I hope you enjoy thank this you. Um, this week. Please update me when – when you find out. Yes, I will. Yeah. I will. Just send me you. an email and let me know. I will. And thank you so much again for having me uh, and giving this space to have this conversation. Um, I hope that it helps people um, think about this issue and go and do some more research on their own too. I hope so too. Yeah. Thank right. you. Thank you. So I touched base with Jennifer after the recording of this episode and after their very successful march on December 15th, where over 50,000 people showed up in support of education. The district did not exactly meet their demands, and so UTLA declared a strike date for January 10th. And if the district did not counter offer with anything acceptable, that's when the strike would begin. I will keep you as um, up to date as possible, but if that strike happens, which Jennifer sees as likely, then the community is definitely going to need to support them in any way that they can. Um, Join me next week as I will have the owner of Sirens Java in Tea as my very special guest. Thank you so much for listening and have a very Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy holidays. Oh, 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 oh,